Do you think work can change the world? Do you have a little rebel in you? If you said yes, this is your podcast. You don't have to settle for bad management, bad leadership, and bad workplaces. There are better ways. Let's find them together. I'm your host, Stosh D. Walsh, and this is Insubordinate. Better workplaces, better world. Welcome back to the program. Last time, we spoke about the Eisenhower matrix and how we all should view models with a critical eye. And one of the subtopics that came up during that episode was delegation, because the Eisenhower matrix talks about delegation in a way that can be very unhealthy. It's also very tactical, the way they approach delegation. And so in this episode, I want to give us five questions we should ask before we delegate anything. Because delegation is obviously a very important area for us to get right, but it's also an area that is really one of the few that requires us to use both management and leadership talent. It requires us not only to think about the future of the business, but also the individuals in it and their unique talents. So delegation is critically important for that reason. And most managers and leaders are getting it wrong in at least one of these five areas I'm going to mention. So the first question to ask if you're thinking of delegating something is what is my motivation for giving this away? What is my motivation for giving this away? Because if you're only thinking about it from the perspective of what you can get off your plate, you're doing it wrong. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode. But examining your own motives for why you're thinking of delegating is a critical first step. It enables us to think about the entire breadth of our responsibilities enables us to think both in terms of project management and time management, as well as strategically about who could be doing this and whether I'm thinking about that individual or the business. And some of those things are going to come in subsequent questions. But in general, asking what is my motivation for giving this away enables us to think strategically about delegation versus tactically about delegation. There is an element of tactics that delegation requires. There's no doubt about that. But if we don't think strategically about it, if we don't examine our motivations, then we're doing it based strictly on time management like the Eisenhower matrix suggests, and that is short-sighted at best. The second question we need to be asking before we delegate is to what extent will the business benefit If someone else does this, we need to be thinking about short and long-term business value here because the answer to that question is almost always going to be that it's better for the business if I do this because I'm more qualified or I'm more experienced or I'm the senior person or it won't take me as long. But again, that centralizes our abilities as a manager or leader or as a senior expert. And in some cases, 
will ask that question and it will still be best if we do it. But in a lot of cases, we need to be thinking about that in a longer term view. And too many managers and leaders fail in this area because they think about this from the short term. They think about this from the demands that they have, either from their immediate boss or from a customer or a stakeholder, maybe even the expectations of earnings per share or the, the street, if you like. Any one of combination of those could dictate that we're giving less away because of the urgency of the moment. And again, urgency is a terrible boss. Time is a terrible master. And so we need to be thinking about the business through the lens of what's the long-term future hold rather than just what's the short-term expectation that some external party might have of us in this space. And as a result, think about how this business is going to be sustainable over time based on the fact that we're giving more away or enabling more people to do things and having the business be more robust in its ability to deliver on expectations as opposed to singular in its ability to deliver on expectations. The third question we need to ask before we delegate anything is who is best qualified to do this? One of the most important things we have to think about in terms of delegation is matching individual talents to the tasks at hand. If we are giving things away without considering who is good at that thing, we are wasting our time at best. And it's likely work is going to have to be redone. It's likely work is going to be performed or delivered at a level that is average or even less than average, less than satisfactory for the people who would benefit from or need that work. Both of those are completely unacceptable outcomes, obviously. But who is best qualified to do this gives us a chance to think about performance. And performance is paramount in an organization. It doesn't matter what kind of organization you're in. If you're not performing, you're not going to be in that organization for a very long time. And if your organization is not performing, then it's not going to be around for a very long time. Because people expect things. If you have customers, if you have stakeholders, if you have groups that you're serving, which every organization does, they need and they demand a level of performance. They demand a level of excellence. And if you don't give them that, then they'll find it someplace else. Thinking about who's best qualified to do this enables us to think not only about the people who would be doing the work, but also about the people who are going to be receiving the benefit of that work. Because their experience is going to improve when we give the tasks to someone who is best qualified, best capable, has the most talent in that area, and also enjoys it the most, looks forward to that task. If you think for a moment about tasks that you don't find fulfilling, tasks that you're not very good at, tasks that you've tried over and over again to improve upon, but still seem to stay in the same levels of performance and potentially even lower levels of enjoyment, those are areas where other people thrive. Those are areas where other people look forward to performing and perform at significantly high, higher levels than you do. And so those are the places where there are both qualitative and quantitative clues to what you should be giving away when we ask who is best qualified to do this. Because the 
qualitative clues are the clues that that say, okay, on face value, I don't like this. On face value, I've had conversations with my people and some of them say they do like this. And they, again, on face value, seem to look forward to this. They are chipper when this is the task they have to do versus it takes a long time. It drains their energy. It sours their mood. And from a quantitative perspective, people get these things done more quickly because they're better at them. They perform them at a higher level of speed or a higher level of customer satisfaction or some other metric that we can actually measure and is objective because we've matched their talent to the task that needs to be performed. And we've asked them to function in the location where their talent is the most likely to succeed. And that leads to other good things, incidentally. It leads to higher levels of engagement because who doesn't want to be functioning in an area where their talent is both appreciated and expected to perform well? Who doesn't want to be set up for success? Everyone does. Asking who's best qualified to do this enables us to think about individual talents, it enables us to think about customer experiences. It enables us to think about the metrics we espouse and why they're important and what's the best pathway to making sure that we achieve and exceed those metrics. Lots of really good things happen when we ask that question. Question number four is who would learn or grow by doing this? This is a development question. And you heard in the last episode that leaders and managers should be delegating strategically, so in the benefit of the business, and also developmentally to the benefit of the associates. And those have overlap. They're not mutually exclusive. It should be both and, not either or. Who would learn or grow through doing this is a development question. I can't do this alone indefinitely, and neither can you. We shouldn't be thinking that we're so indispensable that we need to be the ones making the decision or performing the task or doing the thing and holding on to that in a way that preserves our position or preserves our power. We should be trying to get as many other people who are capable in that space and talented in that space or potentially capable in that space and potentially talented in that space as we can. Because again, long-term, that's what's best for the business. And again, we make too many short-sighted decisions in this space because we need it now and we want to do it now. And someone's asking for it now. And everything's an urgent matter, but it really isn't. And so thinking through who could benefit from doing this for the first time or the 10th time or the 50th time? Who would grow? Who would learn? What kind of bench strength could we be developing if I, as the leader or manager, am not doing this? If I, as the leader or manager, am giving guidance and counsel and mentoring and support in whatever way that associate requires in order for them to become more proficient at this? How can I be setting them up to be the main deliverer of this outcome 
the main person who has expectations with the customer, the client, the group that we're serving. Because if they benefit by that, if they grow and develop through that, if they learn through that, then it's a great reason to be giving it away. It's also a great thing to be telling associates, this is why I'm giving this to you. Don't leave it a mystery. And that's true of any of the questions that we're asking, but we absolutely don't want it to be a mystery to people why they're receiving a task and not someone else or why they're receiving a task and we're not doing it ourselves, especially if we've developed the habit over time of taking on a lot ourselves. We're high-functioning, high-achieving, even type A kind of people in a lot of cases. And that means we've probably been doing a lot of these things ourselves that we could have been giving away to great effect and to good outcomes for a fairly long time. And so this might represent a change in behavior on our part that needs to be explained and needs to be discussed and a conversation needs to ensue with our associates around this. And we might need to be thinking through and talking through a little bit more about what their talents are, what their expectations are, what their aspirations for their career or their next steps are going to be. Because if we can match not only their talent to the task that needs to happen, but also their aspirations and where they want to end up or what their next career move is to particular tasks and help them grow and develop and learn through the process of doing these things. And they know that they're taking steps towards something they want by taking these things on, then everybody wins. We win as individual managers and leaders because we're giving things away that are going to help individuals in our business as well as the business itself. It's also winning for us because we're going to be able to do different things and there are things that we need to take on and we need to learn and grow through. I think sometimes leaders and managers, we forget that we're also in the process of learning and growing. We're not the finished article. In order for us to be able to create space to learn and grow, we need to create space for others to learn and grow so that it gives us that margin. Our customers win because they get more people who can deliver what they want. And our business wins because we develop the strength of bench, we develop the capability over time, and we multiply the effect of having talented people who can do the job because we've developed them on purpose. And part of that development is delegation, is strategic delegation, making sure that they're doing important things that match up to the demands of the business for its present and its future, as well as having considered what are their natural inclinations, what are they best at, what are the capabilities they want to develop, and then figuring out where the intersection of all those things can occur so that the delegation is successful. The final question, question five, is will I be able to give this away fully? This is maybe as much or more than any of the others, a space that is full of pitfalls. Because this is an empowerment question. Will I be able to give this away fully is asking us to what degree are we prepared to empower people to follow through on what they're being asked to do? And most of us say, oh, of course I empower my people, or of course I'm there for them when they need something, or whatever else it might be. But when the rubber meets the road, a lot of times, a lot of managers and a lot of leaders 
don't really give things away fully because they'll say, I need you to do this, but then they'll want to prescribe how. And we can't prescribe how. How is not an important part of delegation unless it is something that is absolutely non-negotiable, like safety, like integrity, then it is absolutely not part of the delegation conversation. Unless an associate comes to you and says, what are your ideas for how I could do this? Or how do you do it? What are your best ways for getting this done? Those are the only circumstances under which how is important when we're delegating. We shouldn't be giving people things and then telling them how to do it. We should be giving them things and then saying, you have the authority to make this decision. You are empowered to take this on in whatever way you see fit, whatever you think is best. Because if we're not doing that, then we're really not giving it away. We're really keeping it, and then we're giving lip service to the fact that someone else is being powered to do this. So will I be able to give this away fully is an important question, because if we're good managers and good leaders, we do care about the business. We do care about the outcomes. We do care about the future of what's going to happen, even when we're no longer there. Of course. And that's a good thing. That is an admirable quality. But when we cross the line of that to over-possessing things that we should be giving away, then we have taken it too far. We have gone in a direction that is controlling and micromanaging, even though no one intends to do that. People don't set out to work saying, I'm going to control someone else today. They don't set out to be a micromanager. No one wants to do that. But it happens a lot. And it's the flip side of a good quality. And so when we think about, will I be able to give this away fully? That is a way for us to examine ourselves almost like the bookend. So the first question was, what is my motivation for giving this away? And the last question is, will I be able to give this away fully? So the bookends of those questions are really about our thinking strategically and our thinking about the degree to which we're able to empower someone because we want to be fully on board with whatever they decide and however they get it done. And of course, we're going to be a resource. Of course, we're going to be alongside where necessary or when invited, but we're not going to hover over that. We're going to give that away. And then from our perspective, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And yes, that means there are going to be times when it comes to us later and someone says, this wasn't done to my level of satisfaction or this didn't happen in the way that it has happened in the past and I needed it to be the same or whatever the feedback might be. And that's okay. But again, another pitfall here is not only do we want to prescribe how it gets done, but also when we give these things away and they come back to us, we take them back and we stop delegating. And that's obviously a terrible practice. We need to be in the habit of delegating and dealing with the inevitable mistakes that occur. And then walking through those in a way that is constructive, not 
constructive like we typically think about in an organization is the quote-unquote constructive feedback that's all about your weaknesses. That's BS. Don't do that. I'm talking about constructive in a way that says, here's how we could do this better based on who you are and based on the decisions you made. So let's talk through that. Let's talk through the feedback and then let's even evaluate the feedback. Because sometimes the feedback is, I was used to it this way and now I'm getting it a different way. Well, the question is, are you still getting it? Not that we would say it that way to our customers and our stakeholders, but the reality is sometimes they just don't like change. They don't like it that there's someone else doing it now. They don't like it that it's slightly different. But if the product is exactly the same, if they're still getting service in the same way that they always have and at the same level that they always have, then some of it is just managing their expectations and trying to get them used to a new way. Because the other element of delegation that we haven't talked about yet is that it can be a source of innovation, but only if we give things away fully. Because if we're giving things away and then we're prescribing how it's done, then there's no innovation happening. It's impossible. And if we trust people, which we need to, and we give things to them based on their talent, which we need to, the natural outcome of that is they're going to come up with some great ways to do things that we probably didn't think of. And they're going to be better things and the future of the business is going to be better because of those iterations and because of those innovations. And will there be growing pains and resistance to change in the midst of that? Of course, you can count on it. But that doesn't mean that we should let it get in the way of good delegation and getting out of the way where we need to be observing as opposed to dictating or prescribing. So you see how all these questions work in concert with one another. What is my motivation for giving this away enables me to take a step back and be more strategic. To what extent will the business benefit if someone else does this? Enables me to think about the long and short-term business value of someone else doing something. And it also sets me up to think more later about the fact that there are going to be bumps in the road and to deal with those as opposed to succumbing to short-term pressures. The third question, who's best qualified to do this? enables us to match individual talents to the tasks at hand. And it enables us to think more deeply and more thoroughly about what the people around us are great at, what they're motivated to do, why they want to do those things. The fourth question, who would learn or grow through doing this, is a development question that enables us to think long-term with our associates about what's their next career step, what's their overall career path, what are the things that are going to help them get there? And how can we provide those kinds of experiences? And how can we also give the mentoring and the counsel and the resources that are necessary in order for them to be able to achieve those things? And at the same time, meet and exceed the demands of the business and the stakeholders of that business? And then the last question, will I be able to give this away fully? Enables us to think about empowerment and giving things away and then leaving them away because we don't want to be the kinds of people who delegate something and then hover over it. We don't want to be the kinds of people who talk a good game about giving people opportunities and matching people's talents to their tasks and developing people, but then really staying so close to it 
that we're really not giving anybody anything other than stress because their boss is constantly watching over them. So those five questions form a framework that we can be asking to broaden our perspective about delegation and to have good conversations with our associates about the kinds of things we delegate, even have good conversations with our stakeholders about the kinds of things that we delegate. Because again, if we have high potential people in our organization and every single person in your organization has high potential, it's just a matter of where. But if we have those people and we've identified those people in the areas in which they can perform, then it's important to have conversations with our stakeholders, especially if they're facing us, if they're interacting with us directly, and say, we plan to develop this individual and you're going to be seeing more and more of this individual because this is a person that we count on and this is a person that we know you can count on too. And so we're going to put them in situations where they're going to be act interacting with you a lot more and they're going to be delivering things with you a lot more, etc. We want to be that kind of manager, that kind of leader, that kind of organization. And these questions can help us get a framework around that and begin those conversations because we want to have those conversations internally. We want to have those conversations externally. And we certainly want to have those conversations with the associates with whom we're working. And we want to get their feedback and we need to dial and adjust accordingly so that the delegation that we make can be as effective as it possibly can. We don't want to limit that merely to what's important or what's urgent. And we certainly don't want to limit that to what's important or what's urgent to us. We want to decentralize ourselves as managers and leaders, and we want to centralize the individuals who would be doing the tasks because they have the talent and because they're going to be developed. And we want to centralize the business and its outcomes and how that's going to affect our stakeholders, our customers, the people we serve. Thanks, as always, for the gift of your attention. I will look forward to being with you again next week. And in the meantime, stay with the program. Insubordinate episodes release weekly on Tuesday mornings. If you found this episode helpful, please consider rating or writing a review for the podcast or sharing it with a friend. As always, resources to help you are listed in the program notes. Until next time, stay with the program.